Hey, what's up? Glad you're tuning in. Love worshiping with you. So the last few months we've been in our Thanks Miss series and we've been looking at the life of Jesus. And our focus has been on how in everything and ultimately who Jesus was, he was grateful and generous. Jesus was grateful that his Father, our Heavenly Father, reveals himself to the humble. Jesus is grateful that God hears us that he answers our prayers. He's grateful that God provides for us. And Jesus, as God in the flesh, demonstrated for us his immense generosity as well. He was generous with his reputation. He hung out with people who were the outcasts. He threw his reputation to the wind for them. He's generous with his forgiveness. His forgiveness is so great that he would die on the cross for my sins, for your sins. He was generous with his power, power that he demonstrated in healing and teaching, power that he gives to each and every one of us as his children. What a God to believe in, a God that would step down from his throne in heaven to take his place among us, to put on flesh, feel pain, sadness, to even die a brutal death. But he rose again and he defeated sin and death and it was to make a way, to make a way for each and every one of us to show us a new way to be human. So Jesus was an example for his disciples when he was on earth and he's an example for each and every one of us with his gratefulness and his generosity. Jesus says this, he says, follow me. And he says that in the passage that we're going to look at today. He says that to his disciples. So if you've got it, grab your Bible, turn it on, go to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. So what we're looking at is a passage that you might just brush over typically on your own. It's the sort of transitional passage between two major stories you might be familiar with. So it's just four verses sandwiched between the beheading of John the Baptist and the feeding of the 5,000. So before we jump in, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a preview as to something I want you to take home today. So hold on to it, write it down. Jesus invites people to be a part of his plan because people are his plan. So we're going to look at how Jesus is generous with his plans. So if you're there, Mark 6, 30, let's get started. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So Mark starts this part of the story by telling us that the apostles were gathered around Jesus to tell him everything that they had done and taught. So to understand this, we sort of have to rewind to the beginning of chapter 6. 
And it's right when Jesus and his disciples are traveling from village to village in the region of Galilee. And it's actually right after they were rejected from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. So you can find it in Mark 6, 6. We're told Jesus calls the 12 to him and he gives them an assignment. He gives them a job and some instructions. He invites them into his plans. He pairs them all up and he basically says, hey, I want you to do what I've been doing. I want you to heal, to teach. Just do what you've watched me do. So fast forward back to Mark 6.30 and we're seeing the apostles return from their assignment. And the author uses the word apostle as a distinction because an apostle is somebody who is sent out by their master. So apostle rather than disciples. So they were sent out to carry Jesus' mission and they come back with a ton of stories. I can just imagine them traveling in their pairs on their way from a bunch of crazy things that happened, walking on the dusty roads, the sun beating down on them, rehashing everything that went down. Stories of success, stories of failure, stories of words they taught, demons they cast out, stories of people they healed and lives that they radically changed with the power that Jesus gave them, the authority that Jesus sent them out with. And these are stories that aren't recorded, that we don't know, and we can only imagine them. I think it's safe to assume that when the apostles got back, when they returned and they talked to Jesus, it's not a run-of-the-mill, oh, how was school? It was fine, sort of conversation that parents have with their kids. This was a debrief, a download. They couldn't wait to talk to Jesus. But like any time that Jesus is anywhere for a period of time, a crowd begins to, to form. So Mark 6.31 says, so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. And this is actually a really common thread in a lot of stories about Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus and the apostles are hanging out and they're bombarded by crowds. They're overwhelmed by streams of visitors, constantly interrupted. I mean, these guys would be sitting and relaxing, probably just wanting to kick up their feet after traveling, working hard, healing, teaching, physically and emotionally exhausted. And just picture this. There's a knock at the door, and the apostles all look around to each other thinking, oh great, I thought this would be the one meal that we can have together, some peaceful meal without interruption. Imagine Peter jumping to his feet to answer the door, ready to fight whoever's there, because they don't want to be interrupted. But Jesus says to let them in. Then comes another knock and another knock and more people start showing up. Word spreads that Jesus is there and there are so many people coming and going that the door doesn't even get a chance to close. And all the apostles wanted was some quiet time with Jesus. They wanted time to chat, time to relax, tell their stories. But the conversations between apostles and Jesus are being interrupted, and the food that they're going to eat is starting to grow cold. But Jesus doesn't seem to care to the frustration of his few. He just keeps welcoming people. 
the apostles, they were excited to tell him everything they had done and taught. And now it seems like everybody in the town is there. Everybody's there just to catch a glimpse of the Jesus of Nazareth they had heard stories about. To hear him speak. Maybe even just touch his clothes. But Jesus is starting to get really hungry. And so are his disciples. So Jesus leans over to his disciples and he whispers, let's go somewhere quiet. Follow me. He grabs his cloak and he throws the hood over his head and he slips out the back door. His apostles scramble to follow him as they go out into an alley and they're ducking and diving between houses, making their way toward the dock. They finally get there and they jump on the boat one by one by one and once the 13th set of feet hits the boat, they make their way into the Sea of Galilee. And then once they get out there, they have a chance to sit and talk. They have an intimate conversation with Jesus. They get to eat. Jesus encourages them. Nope. They cross the other side of the sea, and the same thing happens. Listen to it again. Mark 6, 33 to 34. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So Jesus and the apostles, they travel to a spot where they're hoping to be alone, where they can rest, talk about what the apostles had done, what they learned, where they can finally eat. But there's a huge crowd, like massive crowd. And Mark says that people recognized Jesus as they were leaving. So whether that was in Capernaum, the town they were in, or while they were sailing on the boat, people recognized Jesus. And I imagine that as people were running, that's what the passage says, that it sort of drew some commotion. And people saw and they were like, where are you headed? And they're like, Jesus of Nazareth. So they're running to get there ahead of them. And the numbers grew and grew and grew as more people saw what was going on just to see him, just to touch him, just to hear his voice. So I want to stop here for a minute because there are a couple things that I find sort of ironic, a little bit amusing. So Jesus and his apostles, they leave a scenario where they feel like they need some space. They need to get away. They want to get space from people, talk, process, and then they end up basically surrounded by an army. They go from a lot of people coming and going to probably thousands upon thousands of people waiting for them when they get off the boat at this new spot. Another thing you wouldn't catch if you didn't slow down is that the disciples and Jesus, they hadn't gotten the chance to eat before they left the boat. You can't make a fire on a boat. There's no Uber Eats or any Grubhub on the Sea of Galilee. So when they got off the boat and everybody was there, they still hadn't gotten the chance to eat. So fast forward a couple hours and the disciples are coming to Jesus later in the day as he was teaching the crowd. And they say, basically, everybody's super hungry, Jesus. We should send them away. We don't have enough food to feed them. So this got me thinking, and if I was in their shoes, if I was a disciple, and maybe this is just me, but after the day they had, 
the lack of food, the traveling, I'd be approaching Jesus like, hey man, so disciples and I were kind of talking and we heard some murmurs among the crowd and people are getting hangry. And look, I, I mean, we're fine. Like, I'm fine. I'm at that point beyond hunger. Like, I'm not even hungry anymore. But the people, they're kind of getting a little rowdy. <clears throat> I think we should just maybe send them away. They can get food somewhere else. And then maybe we'll get the chance to eat, maybe, if that's cool with you, maybe. And then Jesus, he does this miracle, and he feeds everyone. When I visualize these stories and I try to put flesh on people and see expressions, hear voices, it reminds me that these guys, the apostles, they were fully human. Yeah, they spent a lot of time with Jesus, watching him and learning from him. But I think there's this interesting phenomenon that happens where we sort of carry over Jesus' perfection to his disciples. But they were just like you. They were just like me. And if you were them, don't you think you'd be a little bit ticked off with how the day had been going? Or very least, just frustrated. I would be. You start the day getting back from this epic missions trip where you do some crazy things that you didn't even know you could do, that you had only ever seen Jesus do. Cast out demons, heal the sick, teach and preach repentance and the coming of God's kingdom. You get back and Jesus is excited to hear because he's the one who sent you out. He gathers you all together to relax and eat and then all of a sudden everybody and their mother shows up. And you try to get away and then more people show up. You're tired, you're hungry, you just want to sit and chill, but you can't help but see Jesus. And he seems completely unfazed by the change of plans. I mean, here you are, bothered, hangry, and here's Jesus. It was his plans to begin with. He clearly had specific plans for the day. But as soon as people show up, those plans go out the window. And here's what it shows me. Amidst all the chaos, amidst failing plans, grumpy apostles, hunger pains, amidst all that, Jesus cared more about people than plans. And the way he cared is specifically described in Mark 6, 34, when it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. I wanna focus on this because I think it's in this phrase that we get a full picture of how Jesus lived and how he taught his disciples to live, how he wants us to live with compassion. Jesus' compassion for the crowd, it wasn't the first time that we saw his compassion for people. And it's not just people that he runs into, it's people that completely interrupt his day, cut him off, interrupt his plan. I don't know about you, but that sounds awful to me. And I'd like to think I'm sort of a flexible guy, as long as you don't ask my wife. I can pivot when I need to, I can change plans, 
But with Jesus, it was an all-the-time thing. And I think it tells us something, that through a close connection with his Father, Jesus felt what the Father felt, saw what the Father saw, and was moved by compassion. His plans, they went according to that. Jesus looked into the eyes of people, and he had compassion on them. We don't just see this in the verses leading up to the feeding of the 5,000. We see this all throughout the Gospels. Jesus is stopped by a blind man, and he has compassion on him and heals him. Jesus is stopped by the family of a demon-possessed boy. He has compassion on them, and he casts out the demon. Jesus is interrupted by lepers as he travels, and he has compassion on them, and he heals them. A crowd gathers around Jesus. He has compassion on them, and so he starts teaching them, and he feeds all of them. It's because he had compassion on them. This happens again and again and again. Jesus is moved by compassion for people. He stops what he's doing, and he takes the time to see them and to love them, to touch them, heal them, teach them, to have compassion on them. It's very evident that compassion is a part of who Jesus is. And I believe it's something that Jesus wants from us, from me, and from you. I told you to hold on to the statement, Jesus invites people to be a part of his plan because people are his plan. And this is evident in Jesus' life because he spends his life with people. He says, watch me, follow me, be like me. Because you can't just ask somebody to be compassionate. You have to show them. And Jesus, he chooses compassion for all of these people who are nothing like him. Jesus, who's God in the flesh, who can see into the hearts and the minds of people, still had compassion on them. He has compassion for us. Jesus is generous with compassion towards us and invites us to be generous with compassion towards others. And it's really easy for me to stand up here and tell you to be compassionate, to have compassion, to be generous with compassion. It's super easy for me to say that. And it's so much harder to live it out. When I look at my life, I see a lot less compassion and a lot more indifference. What if I were to take the stories of Jesus and swap out his compassion for my indifference? The cripple outside the temple begs Jesus to heal him, and he pretends he doesn't hear him, and he looks the other way. The leper limps up to Jesus, asking for his pain and suffering to be taken away, to be healed, and Jesus draws his cloak over his mouth and walks the opposite direction. What if Jesus was indifferent toward you? When I examine my own heart and I look at my indifference, at the people I'm indifferent towards, that list fills up quick. If I'm honest, it'd be a lot easier. I'd feel better about myself if I just made a list of the people who made me angry. But indifference? 
I'm indifferent towards people whose lifestyle I don't agree with. I'm indifferent towards people who make different choices than me. I'm indifferent toward people who aren't as well off as I am. I'm indifferent towards Jews and Muslims and Buddhists, atheists. I'm indifferent toward the loudmouth keyboard warriors on social media. I'm indifferent toward the beggars that stand on the concrete median by the light right outside of our church. I'm indifferent toward my neighbors who might be struggling just to get through another day during COVID and I would not even know it. Man, am I indifferent. And then there's my savior, Jesus. Jesus poured out his compassion. His compassion was poured out for me. He took pity on a man like me and he willingly died on the cross for my sins because of his compassion. How arrogant of me to think that someone is not worth my compassion. How arrogant of me to just settle for indifference. Jesus, he has compassion for you. And maybe you didn't know it. Maybe you've never felt it. Maybe you don't know Jesus. But because of his compassion, he came to earth and he lived and he died for you. His compassion led him to forgive you for everything you've ever done and you can walk into that freedom. Jesus had compassion for you. So I wanna ask you, are you compassionate or indifferent? Is your default mode self-serving? Are you too busy with your plans? Or do you have a heart for others, for their needs, and how you can help? Here's one of the most beautiful things about Jesus. He is the almighty God of the universe, king of earth, champion over sin and death. But he never asks us to do anything that he wouldn't do. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 11 says this about Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's such a beautiful picture of what God calls us to be, to reflect Jesus and take on the nature of a compassionate servant. Jesus chooses you and me to be compassionate in a way that only he can be, to love people in a way that only he can love them. 
Having Jesus' compassion is a part of God's plan for your life. But this means being connected to God. And maybe you haven't felt connected to God in a while. That's okay. You're not the only one. But today is a new day. Right now is a new moment where you have the opportunity to connect with your Heavenly Father. He's waiting to talk to you. So connect with Him. And maybe compassion will follow. So what does compassion look like? For Jesus, compassion was allowing his plans to be interrupted, redirecting his time and his energy into loving people. So what does it look like for us? Here are a couple things that come to mind for me. Compassion starts with understanding that every human being is created in the image of God and should be treated that way. Compassion is going out of your way to treat that one coworker better than everyone else does, even if they don't deserve it, especially if they don't deserve it. Compassion is a kind word and a smile with your eyes to the greeter at the store who everybody is taking their COVID frustrations out on. Compassion is loving people like Jesus did, and it's meant to be a part of who we are. If you connect with God, he can show you a million and a half ways that you can be more compassionate with others. Pray with me. Father, I just thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to demonstrate his compassion, to live a compassionate life that that radically changed the world in a way that nobody expected. God, I pray that you would use each and every person who hears my voice right now to demonstrate your compassion to the world. That we would connect with you and through that connection, we'd have your eyes and have your ears so we can see what you see and act the way that you want us to act. God, you see something in every single person who's listening right now that you want to use. And I pray that you would encourage each and every one of us in that thing that you want to use, God. You are good and your goodness drives us back to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.